You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We talk about their journeys, the ups, the downs, how they move through it all, and how we must claim our joy, our worth, our enoughness, our value, that it's not out there somewhere. Once you hit this goal, have this, have that. We have to do it right now. On today's episode, I have Sarah Comers of The Mom Culture. She was inspired to start her own product line when she was a mother of three, a stay-at-home mom. And we talk about what inspired that, her back history on life and leaving home at a very young age and what that was like. Being a product-based business and having amazing phrases like raise good humans and raising tiny humans is exhausting that so many people love that they end up taking and putting them on their own brands. So ups and downs of that and so much more. So let's get into the episode. It is just another day talking with Trisha. <laughs> Hi. Hi. All right. Sarah. Yes. You run an amazing business called Mom Culture. Where did that start? Where did that start? Well, it did not start as Mom Culture. This it, is true. It actually, I had a name before mom culture. We were called We Structed. And yes, it is very, very hard to say We Structed. There was a method behind that name. It was We for We Ones and stru- Structure for like the structure of clothes construction. Oh. So that's where that name came from. So we were actually We Structed for over three and a half years. So, but what led you to starting a business? Oh God, what led me to starting? And were you, so I'm guessing you already had kids. I was on my third and last baby. And meaning you were pregnant. I actually kind of, well, I'm going to say no, I, I, entrepreneurship was always something that I think was kind of going to be my destiny in a way, but it wasn't until my third and final baby that I kind of figured that out. So I had just had our last and final baby, Fletcher, and uh, had honestly a very traumatic birth. And oh. uh, yeah, it was pretty gnarly. I almost actually died from a retained placenta. Oh. So did they, was, does that mean like they didn't realize the whole placenta came out or they were trying to get it all out and it wasn't? They tried to get it all out during labor and delivery. Um, I went through something called manual extraction with if you're a female and you've ever heard of that, it is pretty gnarly. So basically, they manually extract the pieces of placenta from your uterine wall. I went through that for about an hour. They were confident they got it all. I went into recovery, stayed in the hospital a little bit longer than you do normally. You know, normally it's 24 hours anymore, right? And then they kick you out. So I stayed for about two days um, with Fletcher and they sent me home. Pretty fast after I got home, I realized that I wasn't, something wasn't right. So I started calling my doctor and they were like, well, you had a really, really tough labor. They're like, it's expected that, you know, you're going to be feeling pretty raw. And I'm like, okay, a couple more days go by. I was having all kinds of postpartum problems. So long story short, I, I went to urgent care. I tried. I was my own advocate and I kept getting turned away with the same thing. You had a really traumatic birth. You know, you're probably just tired. Go home and rest. Wow. On day 10, um, my family came out to meet the new baby and I had littler ones already. So I had, you know, my 
daughter was six and my son was four and my niece was there and she was five and I was handing out juice boxes and I felt something going on. Ran into the bathroom and a giant piece of something came out. Sorry, a little graphic here on this podcast, but kind of the whole premise of how my business came about. So I realized that it was a piece of placenta. So I actually took that piece of placenta to the emergency room and I threw it at the emergency room attendant and said, <laughs> you guys can no longer tell me nothing is wrong with me. So this was 10 days I had suffered. And again, oh I God. was my advocate. They always say you have to be your own advocate, right? You hear that all the time, you know, be your own advocate in your healthcare. Well, I was, but I kept getting denied. And I think women, especially after birth, we get denied a lot. But, you know, postpartum care is just awful in the U.S. It really is. So they just want to be like, no, 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 oh, you're yeah. just emotional. You're emotional. Whatever. You're it's, having postpartum. This is normal. Yes, all of this is, is normal. Well, I had had two babies. It was not at yeah. all normal. So um, they, they called the OB um, who had actually discharged me and set me up for an ultrasound and they confirmed my entire uterus was filled with oh my God. placenta. So I had adhesions to my uterine wall. Uh, I had to sign off that I might have a hysterectomy. It was quite the ordeal. And nobody wants to have surgery 10 days after having a baby. So they performed a, a DNC on me, which, you know, basically to scrape everything out. I saved my uterus. Yay. No hysterectomy. But after that, my life just honestly, I mean, I felt like night and day when I came home. I mean, even after going through all of that, I was like completely a new person. I had newfound energy. I just had this whole new lease on life because once you experience something like that, it kind of just, you know, puts a lot of things into perspective, right? Yeah. So about a month after that, um, I actually also let go of a very toxic relationship with my mom and a new wave of kind of, I want to say loss kind of hit me. It was a good loss, but I was still feeling this like higher energy loss of that relationship and just feeling I wanted more out of life. So. And what was, what made you finally end that relationship? Um, going through that experience. <laughs> Going through that experience, um, you know, and letting someone go, it had been years. It just, I think, with what happened with uh, the birth of Fletcher and seeing how you can be so broken and honestly need your mother and how they just cannot be. She couldn't be there for me. So it was in like. It was. It was in my time of need and realizing that that she just just couldn't. Yeah. And it was years like that. But that really was. It's weird that one little small event in your life can just have this huge chain reaction and change so much like the course that you're on. Right. So um, it kind of just empowered me. It, it gave me the strength to finally speak up and say that I'm not going to put up with this any longer. And, you know, that is like something I over and over in like a lot of my group coaching program. I feel like in every time I lead it, I have someone talk about like how to deal with relationships with like family, especially parents where it's like it, they've had a really hard relationship their entire life and that they're adults and that they feel like, how am I supposed to show that people are have such a hard time with letting go of those relationships or like it's, feeling yeah. like they have to carry on or like they have to keep working on transforming it or even if they know that's them and they get to a place of, I know it's not about me and that, that they still like feel like some, like I still like have to stay in touch with them or something. Right. I went through that for years. Um, yeah, I actually left home when I was 17. So it wasn't the first time I'd kind of walked this path with her and, you know, on and off, but whenever I needed her, she couldn't show up. And 
you know, all my life events, my wedding, the birth of my first baby, the birth of my second baby, any huge milestone where you would want your mother or think that your mother would be available to you or be part of that journey. She just couldn't be. And always seemed to either make it about her or turn it into a whole other, you know, I don't want to really use the word evil, but she just kind of had an evil tendency. And, you know, with what happened after having my baby, I just was done. I really was so done with so much. It really empowered me. Yeah. It made it a lot more clear because, you know, everyone tells you it's your mother. You're supposed to enjoy these relationships and no matter what, she's your mom. And, you know, no. What do you think all the previous times where you did decide to invite her or share something with her? Like, was there just like some hope that it was going to go a different way? Or yeah, I'm always hopeful. I mean, I still to this day, there's like I well, I'm not going to say I hold out hope any longer because I've let go of it. But I mean, I think you always hope that there's going to be some change. Right. You know, yeah. Or you're going to have a baby and, oh, your mom's going to be so happy and so proud of you. Or, you know, you married this great man and she's going to be so excited. Like, she never could. She can never enjoy just basic stuff. And it made it hard, but I always tried and was always optimistic about it. But Were you always disappointed? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, always. Do you have any advice for people that are trying to navigate those or, like, if they call a calling, whether to, like, letting go or... You know, I get asked that a lot because yeah. I don't share on mom culture a ton about it. Um, I'm getting better about it. But for a long time, I mean, do you remember the days of Instagram? Like when we first kind of all started, a lot of things were very, it's very curated and very pretty. And, you know, now. yes. And now it's like everybody is, you know, vulnerable and showing real stuff. And so I share a little bit. I actually shared the very like first big public post on Mother's Day, just an ode to all the motherless mothers, because it's not just moms that have passed. It's, you know, the. yeah. The letting go of a toxic relationship in my, you know, my experience. And it was overwhelming how many people had similar situations and, you know, asking me, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? There's no secret sauce. There's no right or wrong. I always tell people it's you'll know when you have your moment. And for me, it really was going through that experience with having my son. It just completely, I was done. I was done with all the bullshit. I'm allowed to say bullshit, right? Yeah. (laughs) I was done with all the bullshit and just the song and dance with her and all of this stuff for many years, all of the years of um, just abuse, basically. And I just couldn't do it anymore. So for me, I always say it's like the aha moment, you know, and for me, it really was that turning point. She didn't even show up once when I was going through all of that. So it made it kind of kind of easy. Put it into perspective really quick about who was really there for me. And yeah. it's not, you know, it's not always blood. No. And that's why I think that, yeah, we have this innate, like, expectation that our family or even like, oh, well, I've been friends with this person forever. So, like, I have to, like, stay committed to them or I have to, you know, it's my responsibility to, to share this with them or to be there for them. And it's, sometimes we just do have to, like, let go of those relationships and to notice how do I feel? when I'm with this person or how do I feel after I'm with this person? And like, some of that can be our own stuff of like, oh, I'm making shit up of this or that. But it's also like, why? Like, I don't know, like asking yourself, like, what am I expecting? Like, what is the, what am I expecting? Is there a feeling I'm trying to get? Like, why do I want to reach out again? And like, most of the times we're not able to make that happen. No. And uh, the feelings are huge. Like not just the emotional feelings, but physical feelings. I realized after going through all of that. Like I said, I had this rebirth and this whole energy, but then anytime she was around or something, the telephone would ring, 
headaches, stomach ache. I didn't realize how much all of the toxic stuff she was bringing into my life made my actual being feel. Yeah. It, headaches and just you name it. And I was like, no. And here I'm like, you know, I'm trying to nurture this new baby and I've got two other ones. And I'm like, no. I just don't have the space. No, for it I didn't anymore. have the space for it. Done. And so for me, you know, when people ask me about, you know, how do you do it? I mean, there's no, like I said, there's no secret sauce for me. I just, there was a moment uh, of clarity and that's where you have to kind of. Have you since that moment have ever had thoughts of like wavering back of like wanting to reach back out and what do you do to recenter or have you? Um, I've seen her in public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like uh, accidental or you accidentally, were oh, wow. And, um, you know, the old me probably would have reverted back and tried, but nope. I was I was done. I I actually paid my bill at the restaurant and walked out. Did she see you? She did. Oh. She did. Has she tried to reach out since you've No, I think she knows the things she said and the time she said it. I mean, I'm a completely different person than the person I had been before. Mm. And I think she realizes it and maybe even I think deep down actually respects it. Yeah. I know that's hard to say, but I I think she kind of respects it because she knows that we don't really have she only likes drama and only likes toxic. And those are things I just don't have space for. So she knows she's not going to get those things she needs from me. So she chooses to not. And so you haven't, you're able to be like, no, that's. I mean, I have moments of weakness. I mean, it's, it's your mom. I mean, it's yeah. that person, you know, and I that's, didn't really grow up with a dad either. So it's like, for me, that was my person, right? So when you realize that that person's not who you really wanted them to be or thought that they could be and so christmas is hard um her birthday is hard and what do you do like and say when you have moments of like wavering or is it more just like feeling like a missing what you want from the relationship exactly it's, it's not you're not even missing her but no, like missing the it's, idea it's of a the mother. idea of her yeah it's the same way i have a, a brother who's uh, seven years older than i am too and he has the exact same um the same problem it's just that idea of what you think a mother is yeah but then we both we talk to each other in our moments of weakness and then Good. we revisit it all and we're like, okay, but that's not, it's fantasy. It's not our reality. Yeah. You know? So when I have those moments of weakness, I just kind of revisit those things and all my why. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Good. So then is that also then what made you be inspired to start the company about dealing with that? Oh, a hundred percent. It was just weird. Once you let go of, or I let go of all that toxic energy um, and started to really think about what do I want? You know, I was, I was a wife and I was a mother and I, you know, was always creative, but I hadn't really thought in a really long time about what I wanted out of life. And when you're faced with possibly losing your life, you reevaluate a lot. And I knew that I wanted more than just daily motherhood. I mean, I love. Were you a stay at home mom at that point? I was. I was a stay at home mom. I had been a stay at home mom for six years. So I used to do hair before that and had always been kind of, you know, creative and it had always worked. So you know, for six years, I just focused all my energy into the kids. And so, you know, reevaluating myself, I'm like, you know, I want more. I wanted more than just my Pinterest crafts, I guess. So, you know, (laughs) and I had been sewing and making things here and there. And I just really dove into that, just throwing myself into being creative for myself. And through that, my husband's like, you know, hey, this stuff's really cute. Maybe you should sell it. And a couple moms at school had seen things I had made and they're like, hey, do you sell those? And like well not really so it was just starting with you starting to make stuff for your kids and family it literally just making stuff yeah and you know and like people cheering me on they're like that is so cute you know you should make more of it and 
Then at one point, my husband's like, okay, your hobby is getting really expensive. Like, maybe you really should sell this stuff. And, you know, I had been on Instagram, you know, for a while and had seen like people were selling these things. And I was like, oh, I can do that too. So that's kind of how it started. Just, you know, that need to fill that creative void again, the trying to find something that I wanted again for myself and being creative. And the timing, I think, was really right. I was really searching for something. So what did you decide to start when you started? What were you like making? And did you start like just an Instagram? Did you go to Etsy? Like, how did you? How did I do it all? Yeah. Well, um, like, so, I don't need to get like that. Like, we're not like it's no. not like a small business podcast. But like, yeah, I mean, from going from, you know, OK, I'm going to do this and then stepping into it. It was it was a whirlwind. Um, you know, thankfully, my husband has a lot of business background. So he was able to kind of like, well, I think you shouldn't do Etsy. I think maybe you should try Shopify and. So he was like, go oh, all so you in. Never went I never Etsy. went on Etsy, wow. which is not the most common journey. I feel like that, I'm like, Etsy these days is starting to fade out. But I'm sure back then I was like, yeah, 2013, Etsy. everybody was like Etsy, yeah. right? Like people were even like big commerce and yeah. stuff like that. Shopify wasn't as huge as it is right now. But he was like, no, I found this thing. I read this article. This shopping platform is really cool. I think you should try that. And I was like, it's $29 a month. I'm like, no way. Like, I'm not going to spend that. And he was like, no, I think you should try this because it's customizable and it'll be so much nicer. So he really encouraged that from the beginning. He was like, and you were handmaking. I was handmaking. I was nursing my baby, dropping my daughter off at kindergarten, dropping my son off at preschool, putting the baby down and then like sewing bibs and headbands. That's how I started. That's how you started bibs and headbands. Bibs and headbands. Can you believe that? And then just like sharing on Instagram? And sharing on Instagram. And that was just, you just had had a personal account probably. Yeah. Or did you start a new one right I away? I did start a new one. And I started like the things I was like, you know, kind of playing around with me. If you look back at mom culture's feed, like all the way back, it's so comical to like kind of see that. I do it from time to time. I'll revisit all of those things. But yeah, it was... I made uh, fabric on Spoonflower. I don't know if you've ever used Spoonflower. No, I've never heard of it. It's really cool, but you can like design out your own fabric and it's like print on demand. Like you, small hobby sewers or small businesses, like you can't print hundreds of thousands of yards, right? Of custom fabric, but Spoonflower, you can do like a yard at a time. So I was making custom graphics and printing them on Spoonflower and then making my bibs and headbands and leggings and sewing them during nap time. Wow. And that's how I started. And I guess uh, it must have been doing well that you kept growing it. It, You know, it did good. But I will say, and I always um, give her credit, I was following uh, Love by Hannah and Eli. Okay. Her name's also Sarah. And um, I loved what she was doing. She had started doing like a man cub shirt and a mama bear shirt. She's like the OG mama bear shirt. And I got this idea because I was making this Cali fabric, like California Republic fabric. And I was like, no, I think it'd be so cute if we did a Cali cup, like to go like with her man club just for, you know, California neighbors. thought it would look so cute with our fabric. So I reached out to her and I didn't hear anything. So then I'm like, no, just I want to I want to get this going. Like, I know we can work together. So I like I stalker emailed this girl. I swear I did. (laughs) And finally, she answered me back and she's like, what a cute idea. Let's do it. And that was actually my first graphic shirt was a collaboration I did with her. And that's really where our business changed. That one graphic and um, working with her, that was kind of like the first catapult. And was that something that was just sold on your site? It was sold site? on my site. Yeah. She helped market it too. She at the time maybe had, I don't know, four or 5,000 followers. And I had like 300. Like 
we were small fries. Yeah. Um, but that collaboration just changed the course of everything. It um, I hate to say it, but I was like, man, graphic tees are so much easier than me trying to sew all this stuff by myself in between. Because was time. that then like so the gra- with the graphic tee meaning like you printed yeah, the phrase on the I shirt. Did. And were you printing it? No. So I, you found somebody to print it for the I first found time a too. local retail quality printer and went like right to the big boys. I was like, I'm not gonna try to figure out screen printing and three kids. No, 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 no. And then that was when like, mm, maybe I do more of these. Exactly. I was like, hey, like this is so much easier. You know, you can have this concept and this idea and you know, put it on a shirt and you know, people like it, they'll buy it, you wrap it up. It's I'm not spending hours of steaming and cutting and sewing and surging and pressing and packaging. And it's so much harder doing handmade goods. So that really changed the course of the business. And uh, we ended up actually gifting the Kardashians, um, Love by Hannah and Eli um, and I. And it ended up on an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And so that was like the next little wave. And so us. how did that happen? Like, did you did she or you like did somebody reach out or like did you just randomly mail it to an address where you thought it would get seen there was a company at the time um that was kind of working within the small handmade community and you could gift through that company um and you know it's one of those things like you have no idea if it's going to get there and we've had some that have never obviously made it but that one did and they wore it and mason which is Courtney's um, oldest was in it. And like there were photos and people were tagging us. And so it was like that next little wave. And that, and that really, was the Cali, the Cali Cub. Shirt. Yeah. Got it. So then you were like, okay, like this is where that was that when you were like this, I'm like really doing this. Yeah. I think that's when I kind of felt, okay, like this could really be a business. You know, I was making these great connections and I was learning more about the business and because everything literally, I have no background. It was all, University of Google. Yep. No, I know that. You know that. I was like, I, when I decided to start making products, I mean, I had wanted to make products for years before I actually started to make them because you, it seems like it's much easier. Oh my God. It depends on what you're making, I guess too, but it seems like, and also with Google, like University of Google, but I thought things would come up on like, for, it was like, you have to go like deep. Oh, deep, 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 deep. 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 And it's not like the first answer that pops up or like. Ever. No. I mean, sometimes I'm like three or four months in trying to find one item that like I know exists out there and I need to find it manufactured yeah. and for the right price. And it takes me months and months to locate. It's yeah. The, it's a lot. The it's world not easy. Of making stuff is so crazy because it is you have to like even if you're not starting something new. But yeah, it's like just even like, oh, I want to make this is obviously possible because I see people selling see people it. doing so it's it. possible to make it. And then sometimes, you know, you could even I'll reach out to some people. But course people don't always want to care share like their contacts or even if you have it then oh but that needs to be ordered in like quantities of ten thousand to get the right like, price um, i don't even know if i can sell 10 yeah it's like it's yeah. such a like crazy world and then being like so excited about something and you get it made and you spend all this money to make it and then it doesn't sell well and it's you like, have like wah, wah, wah. boxes full of it on the shelves <laughs> I've been there or it's great and people want it and you have quality problems. Have, has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Like I just, yeah. now I'm no longer working with my mug company. They oh. were doing great. And then all of a sudden like got a batch. We're like, oh, all these mugs have like an issue out of like, like yeah. 80% of the mugs. Oh, that's so weird. But then they were good and like redid it. And then the next order of it, then they had, oh, we don't carry that mug anymore. 
So now I'm redesigned the mug. It's on this mug now, but now it keeps having printer errors. And it's like, now they're like, oh, we can't make that design anymore. But you made it perfectly before. I don't understand like how they can't duplicate. I've never understood that. I've had that so many times and I'm like, okay, no, but we've had like pristine merch. And it's also shocking. It's like, how are these leaving your facility? I'm like, who does nobody looking to see that? Yeah. I'm like, I know we're like going to get back on topic, but I also, this mug company, they're like, well, since we've had issues for this run, we're going to send you a press sample so that you approve. They sent me press samples of the mugs, which they've already printed several times. I get it. And I send them a shot and say, this is what I got. It had a defect on it. And they go, okay, she said, okay, is it approved? And I said, no. They're like, no, it's still And, uh, and they up. go, well, oh, well, that looks like a mug issue, not a printing issue. Is the printing issue okay? And I said, yeah, the printing looks good, but I'm telling you that the mug hasn't, so the mug has an issue. So if they left, let, sent this out as a press, like, thing, then, like, make sure they're paying attention to the mugs when they send them out. And that shipment of mugs came. Not good. 120 of 144 mugs had issues. Oh. <laughs> We've been there. We've been there so, so many times. Have you ever done a pre-order and had to refund everybody? No. I have. <laughs> I And I openly share all these things for the other like mompreneurs that like follow us because I want like, it's not all perfect and pretty and easy because I mean, I've had more fails than I've had like, you know, triumphs, I think sometimes. But yeah, I one time launched a mug and it did really really well but we sold out and so we were like well we should try this pre-order thing and so and so pre-order is basically like because this is what happens you order something you spend all your money to get it it, and then it does well that's great but you're also like using that money then to buy packaging to buy other items to buy all sorts of things it's like oh no i need to order more mugs so let Pre-order is basically like people buy it ahead of time. So then you have the money to order the mug. To, to fund the production, yeah. basically. And so that's that what you we did. Yeah. And to secure the orders because people are like, this is great. We and want yeah, more. To make yeah. sure it's actually going to sell too. It's also a great gauge of how many do I order. Yeah. So I did a whole entire pre-order. And let's just say we sold a lot of these mugs because it was like they were brand new design and it was like hot new thing. And in the midst of the pre-orders coming through, we started getting quality issues. The imprint was completely washing off. So I had no choice but to refund, and I refund at almost two thousand dollars. When you're starting out and you've secured almost two thousand dollars in a pre-order, I mean, you're like, oh my god, you're like, I just someone bought all this and I've made this, and you're like so excited, and to have to refund it, it was yeah. And especially because usually that money, as soon as you're getting it, is getting cycled into something else. It's already spent. It's already spent. Like you're exactly. I was like, I think I bought a peanut dispenser to actually pack the mugs. Yeah. In the midst of this. And yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what then with all the failures and stuff, like what keeps you going? Oh, my my community. Hands down. Like I would not still be doing it without all of the community. I like I love my customers and I know that everyone says it, but I like I love my customers. They keep me going every time I have a setback. It never fails that some positive affirmation from a customer will find me either the same day or the next day. And that fuels me to keep going. So let's go back. So why when and why did you decide to change the name to mom culture? Because that's also like, yeah, your business is very much focused on moms, And that's exactly why kids. So after the success of Cali Cub and like realizing that graphic tees were kind of like where I wanted to go, I started putting more of my ideas out there that could go on graphics. And it just happened that, you know, you're 
kind of living that daily life. I was living my mom life. And so um, I designed Raising Tiny Humans is Exhausting, which ended up being like the big course change for our company. Like that little meme, because it started out as a meme and people were recirculating it like crazy. Twitter and Facebook, like it went viral. So it just started as you writing I, I wrote, Raising, I, tiny, ra- Raising Tiny Humans is Exhausting and like posted it. Yeah, I did this little sketch of like a coffee cup and it was like, you know, nap time in between. And I literally, I think I'd been crying that day because it was like, I'm so tired. And just, you know, everything was catching up. I was getting into the routine of preschool and kindergarten and newborn. And so I did this little sketch and I took a picture of it and put it on Instagram. And it just like, it went viral. And so then I was like, well, people really like this. And I didn't realize how things went viral because I was totally naive. So I didn't even have like a good watermark on it or anything. So it kind of went viral in a scary way. But then I like went, hey, would you guys like this on like merch, like an actual coffee mug? And people are like, hell yeah. And so that's how like the products kind of shifted. So with the introduction of that, and then um, after that became uh, motherhood winging it. And it's just like, I kind of found a direction. Oh, right, we structured was more, more you were making stuff for the stuff. kids. Yeah. And now you became focused on mom. Yeah. So it organically shifted. So I stayed in that comfort zone because, you know, I was known as we structured. Like, you know, we had some celebrities that had our stuff, the Kardashians and Tori Spelling and stuff like that, you know, through gifting and, you know, making connections. And so I was afraid to like change the name. I mean, like fear always gets all of us, I feel like for so long. And I was like, but it didn't feel right. It was hard to say my whole focus from like just kid stuff or like mommy and me tease had kind of shifted. It was more focused on moms. Like I really wanted to speak to like mothers and their daily, you know, daily life and relatable things. So I had done some soul searching for a while. And honestly, I had no kids in the car one day and I'm driving my minivan listening to like inappropriate rap music and the name hit me. It was like someone whispered it to me. (laughs) And I went to my computer and I was like, there's no way this is going to be available because any good entrepreneur will like, like, right, come on, you go and you go search GoDaddy, right? And you're like, there's no way. Well, it was available, but for a premium rate. Oh, so for those that don't know, like there's different tiers of like GoDaddy, like which is a domain. Yeah, name, domain, which is like what a website is called. Called, basically. yeah. <laughs> so like, and they average from what, like ten dollars to like thousands of yeah. dollars. I've seen some that are like ten grand. I have no idea who gets ten grand for a domain, but I guess that happens. Yeah. So this one was like premium, and by premium, somebody has ownyourawesome.com. No, and I have the trademark for Own Your Awesome. Oh. But I've reached out. It's, it is somebody that just buys them up because it's oh, like a weird, that. like it gets to this, this is belong to this, whatever. And then somebody reached out to me and like, we can sell it to you for $10,000. You're like, no. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Like I own the trademark. So like, who are you going to sell it to? Yeah. What can they do with it? Well, I was like, there's no way like mom culture is available. Yeah. And it, it was, but it, it wasn't that bad. It was, I want to say like under $1,000. But even then when you're a small business, a yeah, $1,000. Ooh, right. Especially because I'm like operating on like a ten dollar a year domain, like for restricted. No one even could spell it, let alone like think to like you know. So I called my husband, who's like the business guru, and I was like, "Well, I think I found my name." And he's like, "Okay, lay it on me." And I had kind of like played with other ones, but he was like, "No." But when I told him and I explained why, he was like, "No, it kind of really fits what you know you've organically shifted into." And he's like, "How much is it?" And I told him, and he's like, "Well, if you want it, let's do it." So we actually bought the domain and kind of sat on it. I sat on it for like a good nine months. Oh, wow. Yeah, I tend to not pull the trigger very fast. 
Like I sat on things for a while. Was that like due to, I'm sure just like life happening and like things. a combination, but also you just were still like stuck and like, but I'm known as this. Exactly. I was like, can't I, like, I honestly didn't know how to go through a rebrand. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, there's tons of data out there and like things you can read, but it's hard. I mean, I didn't really know the ins and outs and how you could do it. So I was like, I have to start from scratch. Like, I knew my products were going to come over with me because yeah. that was what they were. But, but how do people find them? Exactly. People know me as this. Yeah. And it was fear. It was like, no one's going to know who I am. And so it was it was hard. How did it feel once you like launched it and switched over? Uh, It felt really good because it's weird. It was like home. No, it feels like it was I like home. Rem- like started. Yeah. Like first got introduced to you as we started. And I remember being like, I don't, what even is that? I know. Do you know when we looked at our warehouse space, they were like, do you sell weed? And we were like, ah. no, I sell T-shirts and coffee cups to moms, not not weed. <laughs> so like it was I realized no one could really say it, too. So that was like it was really I feel like we could never grow. Right. We yeah. were always going to be stuck because it kind of hindered us. But you were like stuck on the name because that's what people know yeah, me. As. Exactly. Like, and like even our logo, it had three flowers that represented each of my kids. They were like each a different color. Like I was emotionally attached to so much of it that it was hard to let go. But when I did, I mean, mom culture felt like it was like, I don't know, like putting on your own skin. It was like home. It was yeah. like this felt right. When I, you know, say I own mom culture, like I'm confident. Like I... I was never quite confident when I would say we struck it. Like then I'd have to like explain, explain it, it and what and it was. Like, well, and people are like, huh? And then I'm like, oh, well, we do raising, you know, tiny humans is exhausting. They're like, oh, you're the tiny humans lady. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Like it just felt like home. Did you um, also like before the transition or maybe after, did you have any like fears or like imposter syndrome of like, because there's so many other mom brands. Like, did you th- feel like, are they going to be like, who do I think I am or even though you're already selling that stuff just like owning the name and owning that you're like taking a piece of this platform I guess or whatever oh yeah oh yeah I was like terrified I I was so terrified of imposter syndrome and I still kind of suffer from I mean there's so many big mom brands and stuff um that I still sometimes I'm like who am I to be like you know have this community and this whole thing but you know I I keep shoving that voice down you know and like every time it creeps up I'm like no 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 like I am here because I've earned it and because I have this great community you know it just felt so much better to finally honestly own that whole organic shift yeah it's hard to explain I'm sure and it's even like there are different mom brands out there and there might say like similar things or maybe have similar styles in some ways but it's all like still different it is in its own and like people resonate with different statements and all of it styles is that and that's what lots of my the bullshit my call vid- bullshit video that just came out not the week that we're recording this not that it's coming out <laughs> was that um on there not being space for you that i call bullshit yeah. on there not being space for you that i think that you know like too that's what can stop me from doing things like oh but there's already so many people whether it's there's so many people having a podcast even with my podcast being out oh my god that person's starting a podcast too yeah like then what about that? It's but it's like there's space for everybody there and that is. we all have our and it doesn't mean I'm better than anybody or they're better than me. But like it's also like more information being out there to be consumed and that I feel like even it's like you like, oh, somebody gets excited about like a shirt that speaks to them as a mom, then they probably want more of them. So they want to maybe go find other brands that do it. You know what? So it's yeah, like there's no, space there's for space all of us. For all that of us. Really, it seems like 
oh, if somebody else is already doing it so well, so I can't do it. But it's usually like it just when you want something, then you want more of it. And so it makes you look for more. So we need you to do your thing and speak up and be who you are out there because people want more of it. No, it's <laughs> and so in true. different flavors. <laughs> and everyone's like got a different, you know, is, the way you do stuff like styles. I mean, they can be, you know, imitated, but like the heart, you know, of something you can't. You can't imitate the heart that goes into it. With mom culture, like we use all user generated content. So I think that's a huge way like people find us and like our shirts and our platform is because we are not using models. We're not using, you know, hired photo shoots or we're using real customers and telling their real stories in their daily motherhood. And that's and always been important. Photos are like so amazing. And that's what's even more amazing that there's people out there that are buying your products and then are taking these insane insane. touching amazing photos right and then sharing them like yeah i can't even imagine what that is like (laughs) um it's i i literally still jump up and down i will my assistant julia will be like oh my god like look at this new photo we got like we got one today of a mom in a basic mom shirt and i was like this is so good like it's ridiculous and to think that these women buy our shirts and they feel confident and they take these photos and they submit them and, you know, use them on our feed and on our web store. I mean, I don't really have a couple catalogy looking photos, but the majority of them are all user generated or myself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I'm on our feed too, but. Uh, So uh, touching on also though, how there's space for everyone. (laughs) What something that you've definitely experienced and that sucks and that it is like, Oh yeah, be creative, like do your own thing, but and do it your own way. But unfortunately what a lot of small and then big companies can do is be like, Oh wow. I like that phrase. I'm going to put it on something too. Mm -hmm. Or I like whatever that there is space for you, but to do it your own way and with your own voice and that you've had a lot of people take your phrases and even straight up designs. Oh, yeah. And put them on other things and that have ended up in Target. Large stores. Things like that that are your key phrases that they've definitely, it's like you know that they must have seen it out in the world and not just be like, oh, what do you mean? We accidentally came up with the exact same thing. In the exact same in font. The same in the font. exact same garment. In the exact same colors. Yeah, that's the downside to all of this. Like, I didn't know. I was so naive. I mean, I was just a mom from, you know, California at my kitchen table coming up with these ideas. And then I will say I always searched. Um, I would look to see on Etsy and other places, does this exist? Like, is this on Google? Yeah. And like I said, I set on stuff for a long time. So I will set on designs for I've been known to set on a design for a year. It's ridiculous. Like, I just I'm like not there yet to like, you know, the mental space to release it. So I will research to the bone and sometimes someone will come up with something similar. So I scrap it and I've set on it for a year, but I'll be like, well, bye. Someone's already doing it. So for me, having our stuff ripped off has been it's hard. Like the first time it happened, I honestly threw up. I had no idea. Like it was a large retailer and it was like after Thanksgiving. So I was like celebration mode. I was Black Friday shopping with my daughter and so was one of my customers, and she sent me a direct message with a knockoff from a particular gifting store that's gone out of business because karma. We won't talk about that, <laughs> but it was really hard. I didn't know that that happened. I had no idea, and you know, we had went through the process to kind of like do the 
business legal stuff to protect my intellectual property. But as you know, when you have trademarks, people don't really care. They don't really search. And well, and that's yeah, it's also there's it's areas like, of gray. Yeah, it is. It's like and you yeah, it's all like it's like okay, a whole nother podcast right there to shark things. And then but then that still doesn't mean that people aren't gonna do it or yeah. that you're they're gonna be able to tell them no and they're easily <laughs> settle. Oh, yeah. How do you deal with that I've dealt with it differently over the years the first couple of times like I said it was like a punch in the gut and that was like the first year that it was happening and it was happening frequently I mean it was like every day inundated with infringement I mean every day 20 what was it 2015 was really like hard everything was Etsy it was all day long Instagram like so Etsy that's like others like just other moms, moms probably are seeing like oh, it. let me make something yeah and that mm. was probably hard for me because um when I would reach out to them because I like tried to be nice for a long time and I'm still nice about it but then I had to turn like more legal um it would be like well I'm just a mom I'm just a mom trying to make things and support our family and I'd be like I'm just a mom trying to make things and support my family, too. I may look like I'm this big corporation, but I'm just a mom at my kitchen table, too. Packing orders in my garage, too. So, like, my heart goes out to you, but do your own thing. Like, don't steal mine. And that was really hard for me because, like, I would feel bad that they were like, I'm just a mom, but so was I. So that was hard. But then, like, the next wave was the big corporations. Once that started happening, I got mad. I got really, really, really mad. And then I started diving into more of the legality part of how like the copyright and how it happens in bigger businesses. And a lot of times it's not what you think. And sometimes it is. They have teams that actually go and look for trending things on Instagram and Etsy. I had one really big company that I can't name because I could still be sued. Um, yeah, because we almost entered a lawsuit with them that was like, well, we look on Etsy for inspiration. It was all over Etsy. Well, it was all over Etsy because I was fighting infringements and I had actually put our product on Etsy to help with the infringements. That seems like insane. Like, but how is they that say even it. a rebuttal though? We're looking on Etsy to look for inspiration, for which means to steal some they troll. small they troll. person's stuff yeah we would look there for inspiration means like yeah we're looking there to Mm -hmm. like steal a phrase from someone they're looking but they use it we're looking for things that are trending that's how they used it trending and it's trendy so you know that when i went through the whole being mad thing and dealing with it legally and almost entering in a lawsuit but what i realized in doing that is um that's how they kill small business so that like paying yeah lawsuit yeah i spent in 2017 any money that I made, which wasn't a ton because I'm still really tiny and everything, as you know, you own a small business. Every dollar you make, you're putting $10 back into your company. Yep. I mean, right? Yep. So I wasted all of our revenue in 2017 fighting infringements and big, big infringements. Like it was ridiculous. And did any of them? No- wow. So you put all that money in and nothing. Nothing. So happened. that's the big fallacy. A lot of people feel like if you have a trademark, like especially there's actually a whole Facebook page dedicated to like bringing down the small businesses that have trademarked their work. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're they're like the watchdogs. They actually like pull money to try to like get your trademark overturned. They're kind of, they're basically people on Etsy that want to copy and when they get called out, they get mad. So there's like a group of them and it's pretty gnarly. And so, yeah, they, they didn't make it easy. So... They think that you have a trademark and if I tell you you can't use it, you're going to have to give me money. That's not how it works. I have to spend money 
yeah. to tell you to stop using my intellectual property. Do you know how many times I've had to pay to ask someone to stop? It's so, I mean, it's so much. It's ridiculous. Like I used all our revenue in 2017 by asking people politely to stop. And big companies, you get the same thing. There's a little bit of pushback. So that means every time there's pushback, there's a couple hundred dollars in a legal bill for me. Right. And then the answer is always the same. We're sorry. It was bought by an independent graphic artist or it was in an archive and we produced it without looking. We're sorry. We will cease. And that's it. There's no money exchanged. I'm out all. But they do stop selling they it. They do stop selling stop it. They stop reproducing it. They stop reproducing it. probably sell whatever they They will. They get to stock. sell what they, yeah. They get to sell off what they want or it goes to a discount store. Um, I've actually had people here that had mass produced mugs say, oh, well, we can't sell them here in the U.S. We'll stop. But then they sent them to discount stores in Canada. Oh, yeah. And then it exploded in Canada. So I had like a whole new infringement thing in Canada. So I'm like, oh, that was great. That didn't really work out for me. So, yeah, even the new one with Kohl's, um, they're like, well, we'll stop. We pulled it. But like, it's still there. They're waiting to sell it all out. Same thing with happened with Target. And that was hard for me because that was actually my dream. My dream was to get, you know, mom culture and Target because that is my no pun intended target audience. Like we are the daily target mom, right? We love our graphic tees. We've got our messy hair. We've got our, you know, dirty minivans and we love walking Target and having our lattes. So my dream (laughs) was that my stuff was going to be in Target. So when Target beat me to it, my dream completely just crushed. Do you have a new dream then? Or is I that know. still a dream? No. Or no. are you now like not so focused on getting in stores, but just creating a bigger like of your own community? Yeah. I'm just focusing on my community now. I, I've let go of Target. I wouldn't even, I mean, if Target came to me tomorrow and was like, hey, we want to carry your stuff. I mean, I'd be like, oh, super flattered, but I'd be like, no, thank you. Because they weren't that nice to deal with. So that kind of crushed me a little bit too. Because like, I was like, oh, I can do this. I can get into Target. All these other like, you know, Instagram brands that have come up have made it in there. So I was like, I can do it. But no, that dream's gone. So just build my community. And um, I started doing my own wholesale to get out into mom and pop boutiques. So focusing really just on the people that are invested in my brand. Yeah. Hey, it's me, Trisha, host of the show, bringing you a brief interruption to tell you about my amazing partner for the month of September and their back to school campaign. My partnership is with SaltCo, a reusable feminine hygiene brand. That's right, period cups. That means instead of using tampons or pads, you buy this one cup that can last you 10 years. Game changer for me and for women and girls worldwide. Because their campaign for September is all about bringing awareness to period poverty. Think about it. It can be annoying for us to get tampons and pads every month, which is why I love the Salt Co. Company Cup and have never gone back. But imagine if you are in a developing country or you're living locally and you are in poverty, that these things that you have to spend money on to manage your period, which results in a lot of girls and women using unhygienic methods like scraps of clothing, papers torn from their school books even dirt to try to manage their period. Which means that a lot of them end up missing school and eventually dropping out. 86% of girls in Kenya miss school because of their period. 46% of girls in Nepal miss school because of their period. Which means 
they are open to less opportunities in life, all because of their periods. So SALT is teaming up with an activist every day who will host a discussion and give away a SALT duo pack on their Instagram pages to bring up this awareness to a new audience. So go follow SALT at at SALTCO on Instagram. That's with two A's. Maybe you can win a cup there, but also share their messages, bring awareness. They're also funding 30 annual scholarships to schoolgirls in Nepal and Kenya and donate 30 cups a day per classroom of girls. Amazing. Since their launch in February of last year, they've donated over 3,500 menstrual cups through domestic and international partners. So they're not just a period cup company. They are really making change in awareness globally. And they're making change in my daily life because like I said, I've been using it for a year and a half and I don't have to think about buying a tampon. Do I have one on me? I just have this one cup and it, I haven't had issues with it leaking. Well, once I learned how to make sure it was sealed, which is easy. And by the way, they have so much info on their website. They have a private Facebook group. You can DM me to ask me about it. I wear it spinning to yoga all day long. Like I also like went swimming and like forgot about it, was with my toddlers at a fancy pool at a hotel this weekend, chasing after them. Don't have to worry about leakage. Don't have to worry about infections. Don't have to worry about the money I'm spending. Don't have to worry about shopping for tampons. Also, don't have to worry about the environment waste, the chemicals that are in my body all day long. I seriously love the product, love the company. Check them out. S-A-A-L-T co.com. You can use the code CLAIMIT for 10% off. And um, you can also find them at your shelves at your local Target. Okay, check them out and let's get back to the episode. What do you feel like since now, like you're kind of like mom culture is your brand. So like, do people, you feel like people look up to you as like a mom? Are you like, mom idol to people like do you feel like that pressure is put on you or that you feel any pressure that uh, yourself like oh people must think I'm a certain way or something I do because I have a mom brand or something I do I feel like that pressure like you know but I I also feel like I'm honest with everybody I keep it very real I mean yeah I think that you keep it real and a little too real stories and stuff I don't know. And that's what I'm like. I don't catch all your stories all the time, but I'm like, I'm like asking that. But at the same time, if people follow you, follow you on Instagram, then like, yeah, I think you do such a great job in being real. And that helps the hopefully for other moms to be like, okay, like, wait, it's not just me. We think everybody else has their shit together. And And it's like, oh, it's just me that's running around my head cut off and forgot to pack my whatever kids lunch or this or that, whatever, you know, like whatever it is, but really like the majority of the people are a mess. Oh yeah. No, (laughs) they might have like better, like nicer outfits than you. Sometimes they might not, they might have put together hair, (laughs) but they're all just, it's, everyone's got their mess. I mean, I try to keep it real and relatable. Um, I think another one of my Instagram stories that went over the best was one night I cooked frozen pizza, right? I keep uh, $6 DiGiorno pizzas in my freezer. Like when we cook them, I go to Target, of course, and I replenish them, right? So I got so many messages from women going, oh my God, your kids eat frozen pizza too. Like I feel like the world's worst mom, but like sometimes it's so easy and you know, it's cheaper than ordering a pizza. And they're like, you made me feel so normal. And I was like, oh my God, it's just frozen pizza. But I didn't realize that. 
that people That's, do look up and they were like, oh my God, you do it too. Like it's like permission that they're like it's no permission. longer yeah. like, oh, I feel like a bad mom today because I'm having a frozen pizza. Like, wait a minute. Does this mean everybody might give their kids frozen pizza? Yes, covered in a side of ranch because my kid won't eat anything without ranch. And that's the thing. I like answered everyone. I was like, oh, my God, girl, like frozen pizzas on repeat at least once a week. Yep. No, I, we do. Yeah. We have a pizza. And, and then I was like, sometimes we have cereal, too, but don't tell anyone. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I think that keeping it real and relatable because I feel like so many Instagram brands are so like they're beautiful and they're so curated and they're so well and that's what's happened these days with it it is especially like on the feeds it's made to be like these beautiful things that you want to look and it does but then it could then turn in this comparison that you don't even realize it's happened it looks like they've got all their shit together look at how smooth and their blowout is beautiful Mm -hmm. or whatever and that it's like that's i honestly like when stories first came out i was like what the heck are these and i'm like they're like the reality. They are. They're like the feed <laughs> like, is like the pretty grid. Yeah. And then stories are like where you're going to get the nitty gritty. And then like Facebook community. Uh, do you have a Facebook community? No. Okay. Well, you and I barely even post on my Facebook page anymore. <laughs> but like Facebook community is like then where like stuff's really real, like where you're posting like, you know, all kinds of stuff, you know, so I, I like that. And that's so you have a community. We like, do. We have a Facebook like a community. special yeah, it's not a page. It's a like group. Or, yeah, it's yeah. like a private group and you can request to join. And we do like sneak peeks. So I, I show our community stuff first before even Instagram. And then, you know, you can share stuff. It's a safe space. It's a, you know, if you need parenting advice or marital advice. And the cool thing is there's like 2000 women in there that are readily supportive women that will give you their two cents worth and like answer your questions. So I really, really love it. That's awesome. So that that's another part that I like. Keeping it authentic is having that space too, where you can go a little bit more in depth where you can't go on Instagram. Because, you know, you can only say so much in a post. And, yep. you know, stories, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, are people sick of hearing my voice? No, totally. And that's what I will sometimes do. Be like, oh, nobody wants to hear this. But usually when I do like share something like, then it's like people are like, oh, thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. I feel that way too. And like, you know, because I'm usually like sharing something that I've caught myself doing. And this is what I do. Like, you know, and it's like, oh, people are like, oh my God, I do that. And I didn't even realize it until you talked about it or whatever. And it's so funny you brought up the frozen pizza because I was like cooking myself a frozen pizza the other night and was like, <laughs> yes. And I don't really share food stuff or like family stuff anymore. Share your frozen on pizza. my account, but I almost was like, I'm think, feel like I'm gonna share this frozen pizza. And I was gonna be like, top, oh, and top with salad to make it healthier, or whatever. Because I do, I like put greens on my pizza, and then I'm like, good, I'm good. And then I was like, why do I even feel like I have to like mention that? Or no, I was going to be like, here's my frozen pizza. And I was gonna be like healthy or gluten free, like because I I am allergic to gluten, but like. I caught myself catching that like, oh, but I'm going to have to make sure to note that this is healthy or like that I'm going to add greens to it. And I was like, who the fuck cares? I didn't end up sharing the post. Now I'm like, next time I eat a frozen pizza, I'll share it. And, t- and tag me in it. Tag me in your frozen pizza. <laughs> but it was like an interesting thing that I was like, I, oh, wow, I'm going to share my fr- like that. Like, yeah, I eat frozen pizza and I'm like stoked on it. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, whatever. But I was like, but I also realized like, oh, I needed to make sure I was like saying that I was going to add greens or like it was a healthier version. I was like, why? Because I felt like the wellness police were going to attack me and act like they were healthier than me. Because we're so pressured. That's like the downside to social media is we're so pressured to be perfect yeah. that you feel like, oh, my God, if I share this frozen pizza, 
that people are gonna judge you for it especially like mom judgment or yeah and or the fit police well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, the that, fit that, like, because like i still am somewhat part of the wellness community are, that's yeah. like where i came from and so a lot of like people that are bettering themselves in mind and body are following me which i love but that yeah like that it's like then i didn't want somebody to like think like oh you're eating something bad and i'm like done with bad and good and whatever, even thoughts. I'm done with labeling a, fa- a, ba- a thought bad or good. Like it's just a thought. Yeah. And it's like, we're putting that intention on it. Then that's what it's like. It's like, okay, yeah. Doubts and fears and worries are negative thoughts. But what if I just were like, hey, that's a thought. I don't have to buy into that. This is what I want to believe or whatever. But yeah. And it's just, and it, yeah, that whole uh, thinking about posting the frozen pizza then got me into like, the people that are going to be judging me because if I'm not being healthy enough by eating this, they're not fucking healthy because they're sitting around judging me. <laughs> no, it's so true. The judgment is it's like we think that by judging someone, we are yeah. acting as if I'm better than you or let me tell you how you can be differently. But that's like not good. It's just like the same as like someone, a hippie yoga person that like doesn't wear leather or whatever, judging someone that has an expensive leather purse and drives a Mercedes is no better. Than the person like driving the Mercedes that's like whatever. It's like you don't like you're you can't judge anybody and act like you're better than them for your choices because that judgment then is like setting you down <laughs> the other path. I'm I'm so over judgment. We've had our fair share on mom culture. Just just sharing the things that we do share. Like you receiving judgment from what oh, you share. Yeah. We we sometimes and I realize that we can't like we can't please everybody, but you know, again, we share user generated content. So we share every like postpartum, we share breastfeeding, we share bottle feeding. And oh, yeah, the judgment police will come out no matter what. And we just roll with it. Like Yeah, mom judgment. I mean, judgment is something we all like really have to struggle with. But it is so interesting to me. I just remember being like shocked when I first became a mom. And I was like, I don't I don't get this. No, I don't understand. Like what so I judgy. more saw once I became a mom is that I became less judgmental of other moms. Before right? I was a mom, if I was in a store and like saw screaming toddlers or like a kid on the floor or whatever, maybe that's what you're feeding your kids for dinner. Like if I, I could probably judge m- people more before I was a mom. Once I became a mom, it was like, <laughs> I felt like I was out in the public and being like, mode. See, yep, whatever. Your kid's eating food off the floor. Cool. Oh, your kid's throwing a tantrum. Gotcha. Like best to you, everyone. We yeah. are all trying to survive this battle. That? And it's like, why, Like, what is the point of the judging? It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help that person. It doesn't make you feel better. Why are we judging each other? I just think it's so easy to do it because you're behind a screen. Like you're not face to face. You say these things if you are face to face with someone. I I think not. But even in person judging. I'm like, yeah. I mean, there's definitely some judgment you'll see out. But like, I cannot believe the cyber. Yeah. No, that's too insane. And that's again, like, how does that by typing out that comment? Does that make you feel better about yourself in some way? I guess maybe they get like, I don't know. And what they say, some people like uh, the drama and it's like releases endorphins for them. So I think those people that do that, maybe that's how they release those things in themselves. Yeah. But no, I don't get it. I, we, and we, um, we kind of have a policy of not deleting comments. Mm. Um, just because I think that, you know, it's, it's a bad thing to get into, but we don't let them lie either. We, if it's offensive or detrimental to someone's health, well, we will remove it. But I typically will personally answer those rude ones with, you know, the best of my ability. Yeah. I don't engage and I'll fight back, but like, you know, we had one, uh, a good friend of mine took a pair of sweatpants of ours and took a photo six weeks postpartum. And she's a very fit person. It's been 
she was basically someone commented that um, our feed made moms feel bad about themselves. And I was like, wait, have you like, first of all, I was like offended. I was like, do you ever look at our feed? Like we're all about empowering moms. Yeah. We don't you do- showcase lots yeah. of different bodies and stories and. And saying women. she wasn't a real mom. Well, okay. That is really my friend who really, really had my sweatpants on. And that is really her cute little chubby baby's legs that are draping down. And those are really her abs because she works, she works out six days a week. She's right. very healthy and that's her lifestyle. But I couldn't believe there was like fit shaming. That's what I think where judgment often comes from is that we feel like we're in the wrong in judge. So like the person that replied to that most or said that most likely saw that picture and it made them feel like they were wrong because they didn't look that way. And so they don't want to feel that, of course. So instead they make the other person wrong. Yeah. And so that's where the like, yeah, I mean, it's just the mom. Yeah. Bottle breast. We we can't win versus we, we don't even try anymore. Sleeping the like whatever all the like things to do. It's like people end up judging the other choice because they're making up that whatever they chose will be wrong to someone else. So I don't know. It's it's a it's so like and I didn't realize that until I went more into like full on mom sphere on Instagram that I was like oh this is like a whole new no one no one was really judging when I had kid stuff at all. I was like oh. Now, now we bring out the judgment. Now, you know, we scrutinize every female that graces one of those squares. And the thing is, is they're real people. They are, you know, they're not paid models. They're not like, you know, non-moms. So that's really hard, especially, you know, the people who do um, have the confidence to take one of our photos and, you know, put themselves out there. And then if it comes under scrutiny, it's, yeah, it's heartbreaking for us. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy mom judgment stuff. I know. I just don't even. It's hard when you're like not that, you know, it's it's really hard. My brain doesn't even go to those places. So to have to deal with it as a business owner and like my assistant will see comments and she'll tell us like, how do we deal with this? I'm like, well, you know our thing. Like we know we just answer. We don't delete. We, you know, we address them when we can. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm I'm even thinking like I had like a friendship where we had kids around the same age and like different things. And so she was my person I was like calling to talk to a lot. And I had, I don't talk to her very much anymore because it felt like every time I was talking, it felt like she was judging me or like asking questions with an intention to judge. To judge And I don't know. Like, you know, I had to keep being like, okay, that might just be, that's how she's showing that she cares maybe because she needs this answer. But like, why does she need to know what type of preschool I'm sending my kids to? or you know, and comparing her journey in with my journey and like we do things very differently. And I was like, wow, that's awesome that you do that. I don't have the space to take my kids to classes yeah. five days a week, like mentally, like so we stay home a lot more or like just I don't just like different things. And I was just like, I don't know. And so like I have to like realize every time I talk to her, like, OK, I just don't have the space for this. And I don't know where it comes from because she loves me. But that's it. And so also knowing that sometimes judgment comes from a place of love, which is fucked up. (laughs) Isn't it weird? I went through something like that recently with a friend of mine who had been a friend for a long time. And I realized she was judging me, but not to to my face through other people. And that was that was hard. Yeah, that, you know, especially when it's with your kids. I don't care if you want to judge me as a person. But when you judge my intentions with my children, that that's a hard one. Because we all, you know, we're just doing the best, I feel like, with our kids, you know? Yeah. 
Each just, one is completely different, each little human and, you know, their journeys are, you know, unique in their own right and no two are alike and you just are trying to do your best. Yeah, I know. I don't know. So just pay attention what you're saying, people, and what you're thinking and like, is that helping you? to say that or to feel that? Do you feel better in that? Would you want someone to be talking to you like that, treating yourself like that? It's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. I wonder if it also comes like somewhat in isolating, that it's sort of like a way to connect, even though it's in a sort of like negative or judgmental way. I I don't know. I think social media has just made it so much easier to, you know, to judge so quickly because, you know, you don't even have to know the person. You can just, you know, fire off something, you know, some judgment quickly and walk away from it. And you don't know those words like stick with people. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that you left home at 17. I did. What you can share as much as you want, but like what, what, what did that look like leaving home at 17? Were you still in high school? What made you leave? I know you said you didn't have the best relationship with your mother. No, um, I, so let me see, let me back up. So my mom suffers, she's bipolar and manic Mm. depressive. Like this has been clinically, it's not one of those things where people say like, your mom is, you know, crazy. No, unfortunately my mom suffers from mental illness and I'm very mindful that it's something she suffers with, but it's also something that she self-medicates. So she is diagnosed, yes. but she doesn't necessarily. She doesn't follow proper protocol or... medical protocol for it. So it's been a lifelong battle. And Which I, I'm from some other people that I know, I feel like that's quite common that people yes. with these diagnoses end up like might be on these medications for a while and then feel like they're okay or just whatever that it's. Yeah, it's a real struggle. And she self-medicates with lots of medicine that doesn't help with that. So, and in her mind, she's doing what's best for her, but it's been a battle my entire life. So it it got worse with her, her mood swings and stuff as I became a teenager. And your dad wasn't around growing up? No, my dad left when I was officially California when I was six. So been out of the picture he came back around when I was around 13, but kind of a in and out relationship, not a consistent one. So my mom's been married a lot, which is very typical. People, you know, they can't stay settled for very long. So she's had, she's been married four times. So and that's while you were. Yeah, I've had home. two stepfathers. Okay. So, you know, just the typical, you know, not very a stable upbringing, which is why is that, I mean, like you're moving into like new. Yeah person's house houses or we've actually lived outside of the country we lived in canada for a year i had a stepfather that was great but like he was a contract engineer so we moved to canada and to kansas and then oklahoma and back here so like nothing was ever very stable and so during my teenage years her behavior got worse um for whatever reason her mental illness she gets very adversarial with females um what is that she is very competitive. So, so once you hit teenage years, you were sort of... You go from being like the little girl to competition in a sense. And that was the same way for my older uh. sister. Their relationship shifted a lot during her adolescence too. So, you know, I kind of went from being, you know, the little girl to, you know, this teenager. And that's really, I'm interesting. My significant other, his mother struggles with mental illness. 
And when he became a teenager, she all of a sudden totally changed how she treated. Like they're opposite. It's really sex, weird. Yeah, I. That's why I was like, whoa. Because really he was weird. like, yeah, all of a sudden she hated me when I was turned fifteen and treated Same. me totally different. Same. No, like fifteen, she started getting like more like. She was always like mentally kind of abusive, like, and you know, um, we never had anything consistent, like going to school or any of those things. Like, we didn't live a normal, consistent life. So at fifteen, though, things got really, really rocky, and she started getting a little bit more physically violent. And I did leave short term at fifteen for like a week. At that point, did she, was there a male in your no, life? No, she, she was divorced. At that yeah, time? she was single at that time. So it was just her and I. And you know, I felt very like protective of her. Are you the youngest? I'm the youngest. Oh, I'm so the baby. The older, so, so the ki- siblings were gone yeah. too. So they always say like they feel bad, but they're you know, um, my sister's 11 years older than me. Oh. My brother's seven years older than me. So they like left they home left, at yeah. proper. I'm the like, baby, and I was stuck the longest essentially. So. Yeah, around 15, I left for like a week and she she threatened to kill herself. And it was very, very, um, you know, difficult. So I went home and then I stayed for two years. And for two years, it continued to kind of like that cycle. It was just an unhealthy cycle. And it got to the point where I would never be physically violent back to her because I, there's a respect thing. But I couldn't continue to live like that. I wasn't functioning yeah. and I did contemplate taking my own life. And I expressed that to my older sister. So the and did you were I mean were you able did you have any support like did you have friends you could open up to I did my friends like, were you having knew. any support no I was not in traditional keeping school it close we too were, did you not want to talk about that kind of stuff we were brought up you didn't discuss yeah. it kind of thing which is why now I'm such this open book person because I felt there was so much power in like hiding things and being secretive and that was always my mom's power is that she had all these. Things. Do you feel like you may have had shame? Oh, yeah. Too? Oh, totally. So you didn't want to probably talk about it. No, we didn't really talk about it. I mean, I had my stepsister who we remained friends. That was my mom's last husband. We we're only three months apart. So we were teenagers together and I would talk to her and share. But, you know, she lived a normal teen life. So for her, it was like kind of hard to, you know, relate. But did she see your mom acting that way or no? Because it was after. Yeah, they it was after. Left. Our friendship was mostly kind of like out of my house. It, it wasn't it. around my mom. But um, the day that I actually decided to leave, we had had like just there had been so many fights and it had gotten so controlling. And just like I said, like, I didn't want to live like that any longer. So I was like, if this is living, I don't want to live any longer. She started ripping into me pretty bad one day and I just couldn't I couldn't take it any longer. She said some very hurtful things that, you know, weren't true. But when you're 17 and that's the way you're being talked to, you believe so many things, especially from your mother. Yeah, from your mother. Like, I'm sure you have at that point some idea of like, no, like you're not like this figure, you know, when we're younger, it's like, oh, mom oh, and yeah. dad are like, no, oh, I perfect. And then yeah, we start to be like, hmm. It was hard you're to like let go of that <laughs> fantasy of it. Yeah. So um, you do. You hold your mom on this like pedestal. And even I mean, many years, I mean, there's so much to go into. And that's a whole nother episode one day if you want to go into that. <laughs> Um, but it's like, yeah, you start to realize, and then as you're becoming a young adult, I mean, they're like, no, this isn't normal. This behavior, the, you know, the way the treatment was, it just wasn't normal. So she left, I was at my sister's house and she left that day saying some horrible things. And I knew I was done. Like I knew if I went home, I was, I was done for. And so I shared that with my sister and my sister, um, she left some money for me that night and she said there would be a ride outside. So because she didn't want me, she knew I was going to go. When I decide something, just like opening a store, when I decide that I'm going to do something, I do it. 
I don't talk about it. I just hit the ground running. So she knew I was going to leave and she didn't want me to go without some means or a way. And so also to me, I'm like the natural step would be you go and live with your sister or brother. I couldn't. I had tried that before. Yeah. Um, my mom at that time controlled everybody so, so Right. I was going to say that maybe it's too yeah. close to home. It's still like our, she's still there. Yeah. Our whole upbringing was pretty like dysfunctional and we were very codependent on each other as a unit. And the only way for me to truly go was to go. And my sister knew that. So, so she left money. She left money and I had a ride. And yeah, I left. I left with a pair of jeans. So at that point, you're 17. But did you have your driver's license? I didn't have anything. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't have a high school diploma. I wasn't enrolled in high school. I left with, I can't even remember. I want to say I like two or $300. A pair of jeans. I had a tank top. I didn't even have a bra. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I didn't even have a bra. And I had on a pair of uh, Doc Martin sandals. And that is what I left home with. And where did you go? I went to a friend's house, like a mutual family friend, and I stayed there for a little while and took the and money. you weren't in high school? No, I wasn't. Was the friend in high school? Oh, was a family friend or? No, they were older family okay. friends. I, um, because I wasn't in traditional high school, I had a lot of older friends. But most of my acquaintances were older. So I went with some family friends and I stayed there for, I don't know, I want to say maybe a week, but it was, um, they were just too into drama as well. It wasn't the right environment. Yeah. So I actually reached out to some former neighbors that had become really, really good friends of mine. And they took me in and they completely like changed my life. They, um, Phil and Lisa, they took me in, um, and like I said, I had just been a neighbor girl of theirs that had developed this friendship. And I reached so out to them. So you're still in the same town then that um, your mom lived? Or? I went from Orange County back to Long Beach, which is my hometown. Okay. So you did go to a yeah. different... I went to a different town, yeah. But one that she, you used to live in. One that I used to live in. She looked for me. like They literally looked high and low for me. She wanted me back home because I did everything for her. I completely took care of the house and took care of her and... It was when I left. Yeah, she was not happy. So she tried to get me to come home and bullied everybody I knew, but no one would tell her where I was at. So. And what did this family do for you that changed your life? Everything. They, you know, gave me a place to stay without, you know, any sort of, you know, requirements, you know, help out, you know, wash dishes, things like that, which was normal. But I mean, they just gave me a play, a safe place to be. Um, they helped me get my ID and my social security card wow. and apply for my first job and just know that I could start doing things on my own. And that was huge. I mean, to be someone like you, I didn't know I could do anything because all I knew was taking care of my mom, essentially. So right. It was and especially if you were not in a like regular school no. environment too. then like, yeah, like you're, No, I was pulled out of school in sixth grade to homeschool. But even then, it was very sporadic. By her. Yeah. She, her mental illness would, she could not function during the day. So getting up and getting to school. I guess you wouldn't know. Oh, because it would be easier on Mm -hmm. her if she didn't have to think about taking you to school. Yeah. So when she was going through her final divorce, her last one, when I was in sixth grade, she just stopped taking me to school. So they put me into a homeschool program, but it was like an old school. It's not like what my kids are in now where, you know, you go to campus and with other kids and you're only homeschooled one day a week. It was once a week I met with an adult student teacher, essentially got my assignments, did my work. So I had not stepped foot in a regular environment. So and God knows how long. So it was, yeah, it was very isolating. And so then, yeah, so they, you were able to like, end, did you end up ever like 
Did you get a GED or like I have a high school back? equivalency? Oh, because of the home. Uh, they yeah. Finished, or did they help you like finish I, that somehow? I did that later, actually. And that's something that came a little bit later when I went into beauty school, which ironically, you cannot go into beauty school unless you have a high school diploma or a GED or equivalency. So that came later for me, actually. But no, they just helped me get back on my feet. Like, you know, um, like I said, get my ID, get a work permit, um, you know, know that I could be confident enough to go get a job and that, you know, that that's what if I had made this big life decision that I was going to have to leave home, that I was going to have to work. Yeah. So, you know, there was not going to be any handouts or anything like that. So they helped me get my first job and then I got a taste of work and I was like, OK, well, I like working. I like being busy and I like doing, you know, good. So then I got my second job. So. I worked two part-time jobs for a long time until I got myself onto my feet and, you know, got my first apartment. And had, right before I turned 18, I got my first apartment. Oh, so you were probably there for less than a year? Yeah, I, I ended up staying. Um, after things settled down, I went back to live with my brother. He um, is very protective of me being the older brother, and he couldn't stand me not being with family. So after I was able to reason with him, um, that I was not going home and explain to him why I couldn't go home because that was hard for him. He wanted to return me to mom because oh, you're wow. supposed to live at home. And when he finally realized how bad it was, he didn't make me go back. So I ended up staying with him until uh, I got my first apartment. And were you able to still stay separated from your yeah. mom though? Oh no, I stayed separated until I was almost 18. Yeah, I I let her back in. That's what I said. It was a long time coming to kind of let her go. You know, I, I left home at 17. I let her back in around 18, 19. I tried for many years. It was on and off. It was for many, many years. You know, I always, though, after that initial leaving, kind of held her at a distance because, of, you know, I needed some sort of healthy boundaries. But like I said, time and time again, she would just her mental illness keeps her from from functioning the way that you need a mom to function. Did you know that back then? Were you able to see that? Or were you just like, I, this is, I need to get out of here. This is not mm, right. No, I mean, it's, it's all, you know, like when you grow up a certain way, right. That's all, you know. Yeah. So and again, know, especially if you're not in school and you're probably like not being exposed to other, like, Oh, this is a family. Like, yeah. This is their home. Like with everyone's different, but at the same time, you might not have had other people's I knew other people lived like more normal lives than what we did. But I was like, oh, you know, like, it's just the way that it is. But no, it's not until I became like my own, like yeah, I became a mother that I'm like, yeah, no, these things were not normal. This is not the normal life. I mean, every mom would love to, you know, like stay in your sweatpants, right? And not take your kids to school sometimes because what? It's just easier, <laughs> right? But the reality is that's not you can't do life that way. So, no. yeah. And, and when I became a mom, I realized that, yeah, like not normal do you feel like there's anything from that time that it like were there certain things that took you a while to like work through oh yeah i still work through them. i mean even just like even yeah, to even to this your, day like, self-confidence oh, yeah. or like oh totally. enoughness like whatever value i feel like we talked about imposter syndrome right yeah so owning a mom brand when you have a turbulent relationship with your mom uh, bingo right there there's my imposter syndrome God. why would anyone want to take like mothering advice or listen to this girl who doesn't talk to her mom but that's like i'm laughing because it's like well, of course because that's what we do we end up doing the work that we most need <laughs> okay and what's weird is i didn't realize that until gosh three years ago i had that epiphany when i was at alt summit 
I was setting at the ACE and it was after like a, well, you know, like when you go to those summits and you're just like drained, like your brain hurts. Yeah. They, like, all this information. Right. And I was setting with another mom shop and um, she was talking about like her mom. And I was like, I knew that she, there was kindred spirits there. It's just this unlike unspoken thing that you can see in other women that have maybe had like, you know, rough upbringing with their moms. And so I asked her, I was like, well, what, you know, what happened with your mom? And so she told me her story and that's her story to tell. I won't share it. And it dawned on me why she did what she did. And then I looked and I was like, oh, I'm no different. You're like, oh, wait, that's I was like, but it was weird. Like I had the epiphany (laughs) for her first of why she does what she does and why it means to her to do what she's doing and this protector and big mama bear and all this stuff. And um, I was like, oh, wait, that's why I'm doing this. Why I advocate for moms and women and raising good humans and doing all these things because I'm trying to subconsciously, I think, fix all of those things. Yeah, that like you didn't feel yes. like you had or like what you yeah, most... exactly isn't that weird? Yeah, but like no, it, it. I'm like no, I'm like that's why I like laugh. It like it hit me. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Why is my quest to like help all these women and make you feel not alone? And you know, if you're suffering, get help. And you know, um, it's okay if you you know are depressed and you need help. You know, no one's going to judge you. You know, it's better that you do it now because you know there's a whole generation that you will essentially yeah mess up if you don't and i don't want to say that we're messed up but i mean we're definitely there's some traumatic scars there for all of my siblings yeah i mean and that's like in as best as we do as mom there's probably going to be some scarring to oh yeah no, totally but that's also like yeah like to you got like do the take care of like that's also like oh it's easiest for me to lay in bed it's better for me but it's also better for my family if i get up and do that stretch because like i said I'm I feel better and then I'm not as short with my kids. I'm more short tempered yeah. if I don't do that stuff. Well, in yeah, the morning. And if you're struggling, get help. Like that's the biggest one. I said at a I went to a beautiful gather the village dinner. You've you've mm-hmm. been to them. And they're amazing. They're amazing. And I went to one and this woman broke down because um, she was sharing her story of postpartum and um, mental illness. And she could barely even say it because she has five kids and she feels like she's going to be judged. And she said, but, you know, she was getting the help she needed and was on medication. She found out she was manic depressive and but she had such a hard time saying it but it struck me and I actually took my sister to this dinner and my sister and I just looked at each other and before it was you know like our turn to get up and speak I just said I need a moment I just want to thank you I want to thank you for your children because you're getting the help that you need yeah and I was like I wish that that would have been the case for us right and that's some other yeah. like she could have be sitting in shame and not, and not yeah. telling anybody and not getting the help. And then yeah. also that every her kids are being affected by that and everyone else. And I told her just as a child that was raised in that environment, like the fact that you're acknowledging it, you're dealing with it, you're getting help for it. Like I totally commend you for it. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. All right. I got all my keychains out here. I see them. I would love to know which one. I know you're going back and forth between a couple. Which one are you feeling like you're most wanting in your life right now? I'm really teetering. Of course, everyone loves your let that shit go. I mean, that's my favorite thing. That was, yeah, when I I went to your event, I was like so funny because I was like, oh, this is going to be like a mom event. So like they're not going to want cuss words around their kids that they're buying stuff. And everybody wanted the let which I thought was the best seller. It was not like a let that shit keychain that or a like wine glass that they could pull out when the kids were asleep. It was a let that shit go magnet that went on oh, the fridge. Yeah. Like that was the best seller at the event. And I was like, 
it's all good till your kid can read no it's all good till your kid can read people and then you're like oh this isn't fun anymore because they can read but i I do i I say that i feel like parenting is like the continual process of letting go letting shit go no literally letting (laughs) shit go daily i'm torn between that one but the only judge of me is me is probably what i am going to take because i feel like i need that i feel like i spend a lot of time still judging and second guessing myself and this year, I'm going to try to let that go and focus on only judging me as me. Yeah. And not everybody else. Okay. What is a go to to raise your joy levels when you're feeling like off or down or like you have to go do something, be something, and you feel like your energy's off? Oh, for me, putting on vinyl. We have oh. a vinyl collection. I am all about spending some vinyl. Like when I'm just like done and mentally, even my husband knows and he will go grab one of my go-to records and put it on. And he's like, okay, here you go. And like, he tells the kid, leave mommy alone. Like mommy just needs to recenter herself. So it's normally my Nirvana Unplugged album <laughs> um, or the Smiths. So even, even Julie, my assistant will put on the Smiths for me now. Cause she knows she's like, Oh, you need like your happy music. Oh, so even like even at if work, you're at the office, yeah. you don't have the vinyl. Yeah. But you're like, we're yeah. going to need this track. She's like, do you need that Morsi guy right now? And I'm like, yes. I mean, it's <laughs> ironic that Morsi is my like happy go to joy yeah. music, but it is, it's just like happiness. So music a hundred percent. Um, and then sometimes just like a cold beverage. Like I love getting myself, treating myself to my latte factor and putting on music. That's my go-to for joy. I mean, it's very simple and easy, but I also believe that self-care doesn't need to be. No, totally. And I advocate that to all the mothers that follow us. And that's what I'm looking for is like simple. That's the reason like I asked this question is to like, hopefully the people listening will be like, oh yeah, what's a go-to for me? And like, when I mean go-to, it's mean like, you could be like, you're somewhere, like you need to do something right now. Not like I go do an hour yoga class no. or whatever, like. No, like, what can you do right now? <laughs> no, uh, like, one of my favorite things, honestly, is a horchata from Miguel's drive through because it's just, like, <laughs> sweet, cold perfection. And I go home and I put vinyl on. Like, I give me Otis Redding and my horchata, and I am, like, gold. <laughs> I'll open the window so I can see the kids playing in the front yard, and I'm, I'm good. Like, that's how I get my joy back. <gasps> Love it. Um, okay, this phrase I thought of earlier this year is... Um, I usually have my notes in front of me and I forgot them. So I'm like, what do are I you ask people? people? Are you yeah. winging it? I'm like, what do I usually ask people? I think I'm getting is um, what is easiest for me is not always what is best for me. That phrase I realized one day and it's like, well, duh. That's very deep. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like a constantly like, oh, it'd be easier for me to do this, but it's better for me to do this. So I ask everybody where they can apply that to their own life. That's a tough one. Darn you, Trisha. I gotta <laughs> actually think. I don't know what is better for me. Oh my gosh, I'm literally gonna pause here. I'm like, I don't know. Let me think about that one. What's yours out of curiosity? Well, there's I'm several. Just, like, like one, is- the main one that I have to remind myself every fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotta know this now. No, I'm like, know that it's easier for me to stay in my bed, even if I'm awake. Oh yeah. Even if like I've gotten up to go to the bathroom and I'm not going back to bed, it is easier to get in that warm bed than it is to go like stretch my body, do some things. Because when I do that, my like I don't feel as much tension in my body. So I'm not as reactive to my kids or to anything that can bother me. I'm more grounded and at peace. But it's so fucking easy to just stay in the bed and I'll be like, oh, I'm doing self-care. I'm just going to like read a novel. That's like the same, right? 
Oh, that's so true. <laughs> I think it's easier for me then to probably just stay on the couch sometimes and just like, I literally sat there instead of going being active probably as well. Like I fall into the trap all the time, especially because I'm like, go, 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 go all the time that when I'm like there with my coffee, it's easy sometimes to just stay there and ignore all the other stuff that I should be doing for myself, like taking a walk and actually going into work on time because then like I've set the course for everything else's behind because I'm just like, well, here and I, I kind of tell myself that uh, it's like, okay to just be here. But sometimes I milk that too much and it's yeah not maybe like give yourself like a time I, I really limit. need a time lo- limit on my coffee morning time I actually really do because I will just linger there and then I justify it well I haven't really taken any time to just relax and I'm like well it's been an hour and a half and I have not moved and I'm on my second cup of coffee and <laughs> but yeah. also reframing because you did say that I should go to I work sh- so then remembering like oh I do want to go yes. do this i, I do want and let I the want, wants yes. pull you off the couch more than i yeah. should go do this i know i, I want to go to work because i love my community i, I want do. to go do this thing because well i want to get in early so i actually have time to work because my schedule is still so crazy with like carpool and stuff that i don't have as much time as i wish that i did so yeah. if i didn't procrastinate and milk that coffee time i would have more time for the things i want to do procrastinating is like such I am a big procrastinator yeah same and it's just like it's so funny because I'm like oh whether it's like the how everything's messy or whatever like I'm gonna get around I'm no I don't want to do this because I hate the dishes whatever but it's like just doing the dishes takes like five minutes if I just do it but I can just be like it's gonna be so long and you're like oh do I really (laughs) have to so hard and it's like oh that took Five minutes. minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's just like going and having a walk or something. It's like it doesn't take that long. You feel so much better. But then you're just like, I don't want to get like you talk yourself out of movement. Right. And yeah. doing stuff. But then, and then when you, you feel do it, so you're like, after. damn, why didn't I do that? Yeah. But then the next day comes and you're back to it again. Well, I don't really. And then you're like, well, I should go do it because it's good for me. And then when you do it again, you feel great. But every time you have to talk yourself into it. But you say the next time I want to go, to go do, it do it because I feel so good after. <laughs> I need to change that mindset. That's for sure. I'll work on that procrastination and talking myself out of movement. Yeah, those are my procrastination tips. They're like, how can I make this into a want? Which is like, I don't want to do the dishes, but I do. I'm staring at my, my sink full of dishes. <laughs> but I actually did not have time make time to do that yesterday. But that's like it. Uh, I don't want to do the dishes, but I want a clean sink, a clean kitchen, because yeah. that makes me feel make like more calm and more grounded. And um, also because we're going to need those dishes. Um, so I want to do the dishes. <laughs> and then also like movement stuff, because too, I'll just be like, you know, for me, I was like, sometimes it's just like for like an exercise, I'll be like just 20 minutes. And like, if you do 20 minutes, that's awesome. Usually I, I still want to keep going or sometimes I just like don't have the time. So I'm like, cool, I squeezed in 20 minutes. But if 20 minutes feels too long, then I'm even like five minutes. Like sometimes like whatever it is, like, oh, I don't want to clean, but it's going to take too long. Okay, just five minutes. Then you like get to work. You get into it. But no, but even if you like get to work and you just do the thing for five minutes instead of like looking at your phone while you're doing it or like whatever, then you like can do so much in five minutes. <laughs> You can. That's why I always tell my kids, if we just all pitch in for like five minutes, this house won't look like this. Like everybody, come on, pitch in. But it's yeah, that's a whole nother battle. 
children pitching in. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not there yet, but I sort of am. Cause I'm like, how come when you go to school, you have to put everything back away and like, but how come you don't listen? Why? Like, why don't you want to play the cleanup game at home with me? I know. How come the cleanup <laughs> song works at preschool okay. and school, but it doesn't at all. <laughs> I actually started singing the old preschool cleanup song to my 12-year-old, and she was like, oh, my God. And I'm all, well, it used to work. I thought it was cute. Didn't work so much. Okay. Final question is, the name of the podcast is Claim It, meaning it's up to us to claim our worth, our joy, our value, our enoughness, our joy. What are you claiming for yourself today, right now? I'm claiming my resilience. Oh, I've realized that that's my word of the year. Like I'm very resilient and I'm officially claiming my resilience as a person. I love that. I have bounced back from so much that I am owning being resilient. I love that. Thank and you. in in like that, does that feel like I don't know. I just I love the word resilient and that it feels sort of just like I'm good. Like I'm safe here. Or like whatever happened or will happen, it's okay. It's okay. Like I finally realized I actually I let myself buy I never buy myself anything. I'm very cheap with myself, but I bought myself a necklace that says resilient on it this year. Oh. And I, I really wanted it because that word had resonated with me so much. And so yeah, I realized that I am very resilient. I have bounced back from so much that I'm gonna own that. And that that's kind of what makes me awesome is my ability to be resilient and to keep keep going. Awesome. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, friend. (laughs) All right. I hope you guys love that episode and love Sarah and all that she's about. For more info, notes, links, go to yourjoyologist.com slash podcast. You can find all the notes for all the episodes there. To find more about Sarah and her awesome brand and to see how she is supporting her fellow mama kind and get some awesome products, go to momculture.com. She's at the mom culture on Instagram. I, of course, am yourjoyologist.com and at yourjoyologist on Instagram. Please message us, share the episode, reach out. We love to hear from you. I especially love to hear from you. And if you enjoy the podcast, leave a review. Honestly, if you don't enjoy it, leave a review. I'd love to hear with you either way, (laughs) but I hope you're enjoying it if you've made it this far. Leave a review, subscribe. Those reviews help the podcast get seen. And um, I love and I'm so grateful for those that if you screenshot me your review that you leave on the podcast app, send it to podcast at yourdrologist.com. Each week, I pick someone that submitted a review. You must submit it so I can contact you to send a box full of my inspired products. I got an affirmation deck, mugs, wine glasses, journals, keychains, so many good things. So please leave a review, send it to me, and make sure to check out my daily inspiration app in the app store. It's called Own Your Awesome. Check out Sarah, check out at Salt Co. and their amazing back to school campaign. And Make sure that you are claiming your joy right now, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what your goals are, doesn't mean you have to give up, but enjoy your life while you're on the pathway to making it even more bigger, fuller. All right, claim it.